podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Daily Red, your lunchtime catch-up on all things Liverpool FC. And off the back of Everton, it is time for Wolves. Saturday, 3pm at Molyneux, Liverpool will face Wolverhampton Wanderers, who currently sit 8th in the Premier League. They were 6th until this most recent round of games, where they played a 0-0 draw with Burnley. They're in quite decent form. They've only lost one of their last nine, alongside five wins and three draws. They started the season really poorly, lost four of their first five. But in three of those games, they did play quite well. It was only really Brentford at home in which they were outplayed. They outplayed Leicester, outplayed Spurs, and battered Manchester United and somehow came away with no points from those three games. But they've beaten Watford, they've beaten Southampton, they've beaten Newcastle, they've beaten Aston Villa. Now, admittedly, they're all games they should have won, especially at those points in the season. Watford would sack their manager shortly after, Newcastle would sack their manager, Villa would sack their manager. You've also got a Southampton team that have been very hit and miss. They drew away with Leeds, they beat Everton, and obviously everybody should beat Everton. They lost to Crystal Palace. Palace have been... One of the big surprises of the season. Now, they're tailing off a little bit at the moment, but they had a great start to the season. Only lost two of their first 13 games. And those were to Liverpool and Chelsea. So, it was a really impressive start by Crystal Palace under Patrick Vieira. Following that, Wolves won their biggest game of the season. They beat West Ham 1-0. And we know how good West Ham are. So, that was a really, really positive result. Now, in their last two, they've drawn with Norwich and with Burnley, both sides in the bottom three. Wolves have had a really strange start to the season, fixture-wise. Their first three games were against three teams that are part of either the Big Six or Leicester. But since then, they've had quite an easy run, other than West Ham, In terms of where you would have expected teams to finish, Watford relegation candidates, Brentford newly promoted, Southampton potential relegation candidates, Newcastle potential relegation candidates. I think people thought Villa and Leeds would be better than they have been. Everton, bottom half team. Palace in a rebuild, you thought they'll be in around the relegation scrap, but they've been much better than that. West Ham are the only team since the first three games that you'd have looked at and thought, that's a team that will challenge for Europe. So they've had a favourable run, but you can only beat what's in front of you in this league. And the thing for Wolves this season will be staying in the division. Nothing else will really matter to them other than staying in the division, developing this newer style of play where they play more quick tempo, they shift the ball through midfield a bit quicker, They create different passing patterns. They use triangles in wide areas. The shape is the same as it was under Nuno. The style of play, the style of build-up, is more similar to Graham Potter's Brighton. Doesn't commit the wing-backs quite as much. But stylistically, that's probably the closest team to them in the Premier League. You can see it in their goals scored and goals conceded. 12 goals scored despite creating quite a lot of decent chances. Not big chances, but decent chances. That's very similar to Brighton. 
conceding a lot of chances, just not being clinical or allowing, sorry, creating a lot of chances, just not being clinical enough to take them. Defensively, they've only conceded 12. Joint third best in the league along with us. And what they do is they restrict opponents' shot chances. And when they do allow shots, they allow shots in areas of low probability. So you've got a team with the joint third best defense in the league, but the second worst attack in the league. Only Norwich have scored less goals. And Norwich had a historically bad first 10 games. And this league season is very weird anyway. I mean, Spurs are fifth. And if they win their game in hand, sorry, Spurs are sixth. If they win their game in hand, they will go fourth. They've been dreadful all season. They've already changed manager. And yet, if they beat Burnley, which they should do, they would be fourth. There is basically the top three, ourselves, Manchester City and Chelsea. And then there's a group that realistically you could go all the way down from 4th to 16th, where there's only nine points separating those teams. And remember, West Ham are nine points off top spot, but they're also only nine points ahead of the team in 16th. Arsenal, Tottenham, Manchester United, Wolves, Brighton, Leicester, Palace, Brentford, Villa, Everton, Leeds and Southampton. All within nine points of West Ham. You've only got four teams in the division with a positive goal differential. You've got Arsenal in fifth with minus three. Spurs in sixth with minus four. The next two teams are Manchester United and Wolves. Zero. It's the most bizarre league season. You would say West Ham, Arsenal, Tottenham, United and Leicester realistically all have something of a chance to finish fourth. Varying degrees of probability on those teams finishing fourth. West Ham are the team currently in position. They've had the best run of form across 18 months. Arsenal, I still believe, are Fugazi. Diabolical defensive display last night. Tottenham have the best manager by quite a distance. United have the best individual players. But they've just introduced an interim manager. The squad doesn't fit together well. And can you really trust them? Leicester have, I would say the best attacking talent, not individually, but collectively, the way they work together. How Brendan Rodgers sets that team up to attack, I would say is the best of the teams from West Ham, Arsenal, Spurs, Leicester and themselves. So realistically, I think there are five teams and Leicester are only five points off fourth spot. They're in 10th. Five points behind fourth. The league has not yet separated. So when it does start to shake out, I do think we'll see Wolves drop down. Because I don't think it's sustainable for them. In the same way it hasn't been sustainable for Brighton the last few years. 
to maintain a top half position when they can't score any goals. Now, so far, Wolves have won six, drawn three, and lost five. I think you'll see them rack up quite a few draws because they can't score goals, but they're very, very difficult to score against. Liverpool are in incredible goal-scoring form. 18 games in a row, scoring two or more. 43 goals so far in the Premier League season. 25 of them away from home. So we will go into this game very confident that we can notch goals. When you're playing as well as we are, and we've scored four in each of our last three games, obviously, in the Premier League, you are going to have confidence that you can beat beat anybody. And when you've scored 25 goals in seven away games, which is pushing towards four per game, it's three and a half per game, but it's really impressive. We've only conceded seven. So conceding one a game, it's absolutely obscene what this team is doing. Hammered Norwich, hammered Leeds, drew with Brentford, that was a disappointment. Hammered Watford, hammered Manchester United, lost to West Ham, that was a disappointment. And we hammered Everton. And one of the big things we can take from that Everton game is it's the first Premier League game this season where we've conceded a goal and won the game. Leeds, or sorry, Chelsea, Brentford, Manchester City, Brighton and West Ham were the only games prior to this in which we'd conceded goals. And we'd either drawn or lost those games. So this is a good step forward. I think we've seen in recent weeks Virgil begin to look more like Virgil. Ali's been outstanding this season. Trent is a top five player in the league this season. Joel has been a little bit hit and miss. Some really good games and then some shaky games. And then there's games like Everton where he has a bad half or not a bad half, but a, a below his normal level half. And then he's absolutely outstanding in the second half. He's a strange player. Andy Robertson obviously has had a weird season as well off the back of a disappointing second half the last season. He's had a couple of injuries to deal with. Costa Simicus has shown he's more than capable of stepping into the team if needed. But Robbo has been really good the last two games. It's like someone gave him a refill of petrol and he's up and running again. Fabinho's been excellent this season. Thiago's been outstanding. Henderson has largely been poor, but he has had two good games back-to-back. I think it's quite easy for him when he plays with Fabinho and Thiago because of the control that they give. We'll be interesting to see if Jürgen sticks with that midfield for this game. I'd be inclined, I said this on Scouted, I'd be inclined to play Ox and keep Henderson from Milan. Because Ox has been good as well. I think the front three will be the front three. But Seth and Carl went into more detail on this on the latest edition of Scouted, which is out, we cover the Wolves game and the Milan game. Because it's a short turnaround and because the Milan game is basically a dead rubber, there was no real point in spending too long 
going over that game. So we just tacked it on to the end of the um, of the Wolves pod. Uh, we'll jump around the main Liverpool sites. This is Anfield. A lot of pre-match stuff, obviously, and some news that a Reds duo are back in training. Joe Gomez and Naby Keita were pictured in training. So hopefully, hopefully not too far away from making a return. Naby could even be back for AC Milan, is the rumour. Which would be nice to have him come off the bench. As a side note, I do wonder how many players will be a bit upset if they don't get picked from Milan. Because it is one of the iconic stadiums. And if you haven't been, you have this season and the next two to get yourself to Milan to see a game at the San Siro. Go see Inter or AC. I go see AC, but go see either. Um, It is one of the iconic grounds, and it's an incredible place to watch a game. It's not in the best of condition anymore. It has been let run into somewhat of a state of disrepair, but they are looking to move in, in a couple of seasons. So go and experience it while you can. Um, other news, Claudio Taffarel has joined in his first training session as one of the new goalkeeping coaches at Liverpool. And he was working with Karius Kelleher and Harvey Davies. Uh, so great to have him on board. Obviously, a legendary goalkeeper, World Cup winner, and someone that Alisson looks up to. So really, really good to have him on board. Uh, big news in terms of the stadium expansion. Cranes and steelwork have arrived on site. So we will start to see more and more progress over the next few weeks. Uh, So it'll add 7,000 seats to the stadium to be completed ahead of the 23-24 season. So it's going to be a long process, a slow burn, but it's great to see the ownership expanding the stadium living up to promises that were made a long time ago and took them a long time to get there. Now, there's been some statements that this will be the last expansion because of, you know, housing, whatever. Nonsense. Nonsense. There's no reason you can't do what you did on the main stand, on the Kenny stand. Buy up the houses. Overpay for them if you need to. Get that stadium as big as possible. It'll be full every single week. Uh, but it'll be nice to have the capacity up to, uh, that'll be 61,500, I believe. Um, on liverpool.com, there's obviously some pre-match stuff as well. Uh, Jurgen Klopp talking about Claudio Tafarel, about Jota and about some injuries. So do check that out. Uh, Liverpool contact £42 million star compared to Cristiano Ronaldo. As Reds want Kareem Benzema transfer, so says the Media Digest piece. Um, Allegedly, we're involved in a four-way battle for Renato Sanchez. I just don't see it at all. Uh, Too injury prone. Simple as that. Outstanding player. Too injury prone. Uh, Al Nacional in Catalan, one of the most outstanding spoofer outlets going, says that Liverpool would like to sign Kareem Benzema, who turns 34 next month. Uh, Nat Phillips could be on his way to Newcastle. The Telegraph are reporting that the Toon are very interested. He'd be a good fit for them when they go down to the championship. There's no question. Uh, Ronald Arejo has been linked again. I think he'd be a brilliant signing 
tremendous young defender. And uh, Luis Diaz is being linked again. And I have to say, I would be very much in favour of bringing in Luis Diaz. Now, forget what you hear about buyout clauses. He's not going to cost sixty-eight million. They were going to sell him for twenty million and James Rodriguez in the summer. And given James left for seven million, we can put a price of about twenty-seven million on him. This season, he's having an exceptional season. That's not going to raise his price all the way to his buyout. Somewhere in the region of forty million will get that get that deal done. It'll be a Jota type fee that gets Luis Diaz. And for me. I'd very much be in favour. I think Luis Diaz is somewhat of a hybrid between Sadio with his directness, his ability to carry the ball at pace. There's people on social media who haven't watched him play suggesting that he doesn't have good pace. He's got excellent pace. Um, Sadio's directness and carrying of the ball mixed with Suarez's unpredictability, a scruffy dribbling style in close spaces and that ridiculous intensity that Suarez played with. And Mane has it too. That burning desire to succeed because they've overcome so much in their lives to get to this point. Luis Diaz nearly died of malnutrition. He's a guy who's overcome the type of poverty me and you can never understand, never comprehend. He's overcome more in his life at 24 years of age than most people do living to 80. So he has that South American gene that Suarez has, Tevez had it, um, Levetsi had it, Angel Correa has it. There's just you see it in some of them, that real dog nature where there's just real scrap in them. And uh, I think that makes him a very exciting prospect. So I would be very much in favour of uh, Luis Diaz at the right price now, at the right price. And a Jota-type deal, I think, would be ideal for him. Uh, Liverpool can reverse Kevin De Bruyne and Man City frustration with transfer... For new Sergio Aguero, Liverpool had to miss out on a generation of boyhood fans led by Kevin De Bruyne and Sergio Aguero. A transfer could help right these wrongs. So the player in question is Jonathan David. Now, Jonathan David himself has said previously he was not a Liverpool fan. Um, He is an outstanding, outstanding player. He's having a good season with Lille. It took him a bit of time to settle in, having moved from from uh, Belgium to Lille. And he wasn't at his best last season when Lille won the French League. But he did score some big goals at big times for them. 13 and 48 games over the course of the season. 13 and 37 in the league. Didn't score in 11 games in the Cup and Europe. But coming from Ghent, where he'd scored 23 and 40, the hope was he'd kick on quicker. Now, this season, he's got 10 and 16 in the league, 12 and 22 in all competitions. He's a very impressive player, and he's still really young, 21 years of age. 
born in Brooklyn, New York, Canadian international player, definitely one worth keeping an eye on. Someone who would fit how we play, can play centrally or in wide areas, better off the left than the right, gets a little bit lost when he plays on the right, but definitely one to keep an eye on, definitely one that you could imagine Liverpool having a strong interest in. Uh, on AnfieldIndex.com, there is a new piece up called A Goodison Park Dream. And this is Stephen Smith once again having a look back at a an iconic Liverpool performance. Just to run through the 11 for this one. And this is a cracking 11. Sander Westerfeld in goal. Marcus Babel at right back. Honcho and Hippie at centre back. Carragher at left back. Gary Mack. Didi Haman and the legend Igor Biscan, Vladi Schmitzer, just off Emil Heskey and Robbie Fowler, Gregory Vignol coming off the bench. The Reds would go on to win 3 2 with the late, late Gary McAllister goal. Um, give that piece a read. It's really, really good. Really, really good piece. On the podcast side of things, there was obviously a Nina Kauser show on. Wednesday after the Everton game, which you can give a listen to. And on Pro, there's the Scouser Tommies, the tribute to Ray Kennedy, a must-listen with uh, Jim and Fidzy. There's Post-Match Raw, myself, Trev, and Carl Matchett. Give that one a listen if you haven't heard it. It's good fun. And there's also, ahead of the game at the weekend, there is a new Scouted, as I mentioned earlier, and a new rival recon. Harry is joined by Alex Richards of the Daily Mirror, Daily Mirror to discuss this game and discuss Wolves and where they stand at the moment. There'll be plenty more over the weekend. Obviously, there will be a Raw. It's myself, Trev, and I think Jim Boardman. There'll be a Nina Kauser show, and there'll be lots more. So do check all of that out. Have a good weekend. Stay safe. Be careful. Be considerate. Be kind. Wear your mask. Get your vax. And I'll see you Monday. Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.